This is Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup on Backheel.com with your hosts, Mark Fishkin, Dave Martinez, and Dan Dickinson. It's Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup at Backheel.com. Mark Fishkin here with you along with Dan Dickinson. Tonight on Seeing Red, we'll go inside the Red Bull's scoreless draw at FC Dallas Stadium, Toyota Stadium in Frisco, Texas. We will give our Bull and Cow of the Week. We'll talk a little U.S. Open Cup, which is happening as we speak. We'll preview Philadelphia at home on the weekend. And then tonight, we've got the sporting director of the New York Red Bulls, Ollie Curtis. And as always, we'll finish with your calls and emails. Dan Dickinson, how are you tonight? I'm doing just fine, Mark. How was your trip to Dallas? Let me tell you something. If you have not yet made the trip to Frisco, Texas, um, Toyota Stadium is a gem, not in the way that Red Bull Arena is a gem, but the whole area is lovely. I had a fantastic experience. The Dallas Beer Guardians, which is one of their, uh, the, the three or four Dallas supporters clubs, uh, was were very, very hospitable towards me and my son. Uh, the match itself, while uh, no goals were scored, was, was definitely played at a high level. I think Dallas definitely had the better of the scoring opportunities, although New York could have taken it late. And at the end of the day, it's uh, it's the ninth time in ten matches that New York was able to escape without a loss. Uh, it was the first time they had been shut out all season, and their third shutout. But I think Jesse Marsh, after saying how uh, they slowed down a very high, potent, young, sharp offense of Dallas, definitely came away pleased with the result. Yeah, and I think after everything we said last week about how dangerous Dallas was going to be, um, getting that shutout on the road is a, a, a very good result. And, uh, you know, I've been digging through the stats a little bit as we got ready for tonight, and I see that Blas Perez did not get a single shot off all night. Mm-hmm. Um, which is uh, t- actually, uh, it looks like the defensive line had four shots, which is impressive for their defense, I suppose. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, I mean, having, I think it was a little underreported that the Red Bulls had gone every game with at least one goal, even if they had gotten a number of draws in that process. And um, it's a little sad to see that streak end, but um, it's hard to complain with a uh, road draw, especially against a team like Dallas. Yeah, and I, I know that around the league, a lot of MLS fans kind of had written this match off, and I'll be honest, I, I did not predict that New York was going to be able to, to tie up this young team, but they continue to get more props and more kudos. Obviously, they only have one win in their last five matches, which is not ideal at all. However, this particular night, I, I think a draw on the road was, was definitely a good result. But again, um, Frisco is interesting. Fans there told me that when the stadium opened, the highway did not even extend that far. Frisco, 30 miles north of uh, downtown Dallas, and I think we rode on about 700 highways in order to get there to avoid all the traffic. But once you were at the stadium, it was intimate. It was a beautiful, uh, cool night. Uh, for Dallas, there was there were no tornado watches or warnings in the area, which certainly made uh, my family back home quite pleased. And uh, I, I would 
definitely suggest going and making a do. I'd like to thank uh, the folks at the Red Bulls. We were able to get down uh, close to the field before the match. Kyle Rainish gave my son his gloves before the match as he was walking off after warm-up, so it was definitely a special night uh, for a dad and his son, and, uh, and a scoreless draw. So, Given where we're talking about, for me, I'll, I'll go right to bowl. I mean, Felipe clearing the ball off the line after Robles had been beaten, I don't think you really can think uh, that a bowl goes anywhere else. I, Dan, I goes? know a lot of the uh, Facebook discussion was for Kamar Lawrence, uh, who yep. put in another strong performance. So we'll, we'll give him a, a baby bowl. A baby bowl. And then a, a cow, again, it's very difficult on a night um, that you come uh, oh so close right at the end to, to stealing the points. I, 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 there are very few. There were a couple of interesting Facebook comments on our Facebook page. One said that Felipe's clear off the line was the bull, and Felipe's free kicks were the cow. Uh, there were more than <laughs> one people because uh, New York really did not get too many quality chances on all night. Um, Sasha Kleshin picked up a yellow on a call that Simon Borg thought could have been a red, and now Kleshin is on yellow card watch along with Damian Paranel. His next yellow card, he will be suspended for a match, and don't think that uh, the opponents coming in this weekend don't know that to be the case. So, But again, everyone kind of pulled it together, I, I guess, uh, I know, Dan, that you don't like giving uh, cows to folks that aren't on the Red Bulls. It was a beautiful night in Dallas. Um, uh, Toyota Stadium seats 20,000 fans. The announced attendance was a shade over 12,000. And in talking to the folks, uh, the FC Dallas fans, you know, they have the same problem with media attention that, that the Red Bulls have have suffered through in the past, except one thing that New York isn't crazy about that they are in Dallas is high school football, which tends to be a major, major sport down there. And uh, they get very little attention through throughout, uh, throughout the multiplex there and um, the Metroplex. And so there you go. I mean, at Dallas fans, you've got a team that's tied for first in the West and the stadium's half full on a gorgeous Friday night. Something's wrong. Yeah, I can, I can see that. Um, I'm going to stick with my I'm not going to give it to anybody from the other yes. team, even if FC Dallas does, in fact, have a bowl in their logo, which they conveniently forgot when they were taunting <laughs> the Red Bulls. Um, with some bullfighting graphics earlier in the week. <laughs> um, but I, I will spread it around generally to the offense only because um, the streak ended and it's sad and it makes me sad. So, yeah. All no. right. Well, moves to use. So, uh, New York, again, in the middle, uh, to get the easy leg of this touch, really tough four game stretch at Dallas, home to Philadelphia at Seattle, which will be very tough, and then uh, J- June 5th at Houston before the break, before the Red Bulls enter the U.S. Open Cup. Of course, the U- U.S. Open Cup second round is taking place right now. As we speak, on Wednesday night, the Red Bulls, too, are currently losing to Jersey Express one nothing In the 73rd minute, hopefully they will come on and be able to get an equalizer and go ahead. The winner of that match will play the New York Cosmos next week, so that should be interesting. And then Thursday night, if you're listening to this, uh, we hope to come out Thursday midday. Thursday night at 7 p.m. will be the draw 
for the fourth round, and the Red Bulls uh, proper will learn who they will play. So that will be very interesting. That's 7 p.m. I believe it's at 120sports.com. Um, they're going to have the U.S. Open fourth round draw. So I love U.S. Open Cup, Dan. What, what do you think about U.S. Open Cup? I, uh, I'm going to take the unpopular opinion. I, I think it could be so much more. Um, you know, it, it has such a nice storied history, and it has... Um, a lot of potential in it, but because the USSF have not been able to find a consistent way to get it televised or even streamed or, you know, practically anything going for it, uh, it just sort of happens every year. And uh, I, I appreciate it for what it is, but I, I, I find it hard to buy it in, buy into it being more than that. Um, I've seen a lot of article. Uh, the, the majority of the coverage thus far has been: Isn't Harpo's FC great? They're a team that is associated with a They're pub, a pub team, like, right? All right, I get it, but you know. And, and granted, it's the early rounds. Um, I actually think winning the Open Cup is a, uh, possibly harder than winning MLS Cup, only because you're not necessarily guaranteed any home games. Um, you're right. playing at random high school stadiums and terrible turf fields. Um, depending right. on how the draw goes, and um, it's a very, you know, it's a single elimination tournament. You don't get return ties like you do in the FA Cup, so you have a bad night, even if you're taking it as seriously as everybody would like a club to take that competition seriously, and you're out. I mean, I, I realize we're we're focused on the red here, but you ask a lot of Cosmos fans about what happened in Philly last year, um, they felt very hard done by some questionable officiating, and that can happen, and that's the end of your run. There, there's no real recourse or anything like that. So um, it, it's a fun competition. There is certainly potential for upsets and um, NYC soccer wars intersections, which I'm sure we're going to have in that fourth round. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I really wish, and, and credit to the U.S. Soccer for hiring Jeff Carlisle to run their new Twitter account. Jeff Grandel. Yeah, sorry. Uh, yep. Jeff Carlisle. Um, it's a good step, but I, I really would like to see it more routinely streamed or televised or something. And we've talked about this over the many years of seeing red, and, and those who know uh, my passion for the U.S. Open Cup, I, I agree with you, Dan. It could be so much more. And you know, for me, this is they need to sell a title sponsorship. And even if the sponsorship is for something like a half a million dollars for the year, you're talking about now this year ninety matches from coast to coast, from June through October, could be the Pepsi U.S. Open Cup or the Monster Energy Drink, wink, wink, U.S. Open Cup, or the Under Armour U.S. Open Cup. It could be anything, but it's a fantastic um, way to get coast-to-coast marketing on a grassroots level. You can go and have a fanfare leading into every single match, which costs money to do, but um, they, the, the U.S. soccer marketing gurus seemingly have been unable to package this and make it interesting. And listen, I guess when some of these matches are being viewed by 40 people, uh, it makes you wonder just how serious it is. I, I don't know how many people are currently at NJIT Stadium watching the Red Bulls and Jersey Express do battle, but uh, you know, I might be able to count them on two hands, right? It, so It definitely didn't look like a lot. And, and <laughs> you know, I've agreed that, that a sponsorship would be good, but I, 
<laughs> I will make my stand that I normally make on Twitter a couple times a year. You know, there is nothing preventing U.S. soccer from trying to crowdsource a larger prize pool. And the, yeah. and the example I will constantly cite, and people will get very tired of this as they follow me on Twitter, is every July there is now a tournament for a video game called Dota 2, which is kind of fun, yes. um, which is played up in Seattle, and they pack full a stadium full of crazy fans of people watching this game. It's a five-on-five video game tournament, and the prize pool is almost entirely crowdsourced to people buying a digital program, effectively. And, mm-hmm. and that prize pool, this competition is still two months off, and the, the crowdsourcing's only been going for a couple of weeks, is at $8.6 million. Now, right. the first prize for the U.S. Open Cup, last I checked, is a quarter million, and you're spreading it around more people than you are... Uh, you know, this video game tournament. So there's nothing preventing U.S. soccer from trying to find some creative way to get some money from people who care about soccer in America, and especially this competition, which many people do feel strongly about, and build that prize pool up. But it, it would that would be really, really interesting. And I, I, given the dollars and the sponsorship generally around U.S. soccer, I'd be very curious as to how that would be perceived in in the in the sports and the soccer media. But listen, there's very little being done now. So anything, and it's a shame. I think we both can agree on that. Okay, let's talk about the Philadelphia Union, who will be coming into Red Bull Arena Sunday of Memorial Day weekend. That's the 24th at 5 p.m. It's another Sunday at five start on Fox Sports One. But on the upshot, it's a long weekend, so nobody can complain about having to go to work the next day. People will complain. They complain about everything. Okay, let's talk about Philly. Philly Philly is not a good team. (laughs) They're not a good... They're a bad team. Two, seven, and three. Nine points in 12 games. They're eighth in the East only because of... Don Garber's Shadow Baby, and also because of Montreal that now is getting back into the MLS schedule. They've scored 11 goals in 12 games while conceding 21, where their minus 10 goal difference is the worst in MLS. Their last five games, four losses, and a win, a surprising, shocking injury time winner, by young Zach Pfeffer, gave the Union a one nothing win against D.C. United last time out. They are conceding two and a half goals a match on the road, where they have yet to win. Uh, and on top of it, Maurice Adu, who Coach Jim Curtin had called our team MVP this week, is suspended for yellow card accumulation. He is the only player to have played every minute so far for this very bad team. Uh, the history, New York 8-4-0 and all-time against Philadelphia Union. They are undefeated against Philly at Red Bull Arena, 6-0-1 all-time, including an Open Cup win. And that draw came back in 2013, a scoreless draw. Um, Wait, all-time 6-0-1? I, I seem to recall... All-time 6-0-1 at Red Bull Arena. at PPL. No, no, at Red Bull Arena. Oh, at, at Red oh, Bull Arena. Red Bull Arena. Okay. They're 6-0-1. Aristigueta, their Argentine, is uh, their team leader with three of their 11 goals. His last goal was April 5th. That was seven matches ago. Um, The one thing that Philadelphia has plenty of, and that's goalkeepers. (laughs) (laughs) 
Ray Zamboli, who is a absolute pariah for this team, is 0-3-2. He has a 1.8 goals against average and one shutout. He's an option. Brian Silvestra, who got his lone win last week against D.C., has 1.5 goals against. And then there's John McCarthy, who is on the bench 1-3-1, also 1.8. They also have a human being called Andrew Blake, who also plays goalie for... The Union. Uh, players of note, of course, former Red Bull, Sebastian Latou is on this team. Andrew Wenger is on this team, who just simply dribbled the ball over the goal line this past week in a clip that was actually picked up by Deadspin under the caption, this is what happens when your FIFA 15 controller gets disconnected from your home box. You simply dribble the ball out of bounds. Connor Casey is on this team. Uh, Connor Casey likes to score his goals up against the New York Red Bulls. And um, Michael LeHood, a semi-talented uh, midfielder, has been battling injury. Um, you know, I... They've won twice, which is more than, than the Blue Meanies have won. They have never won in New York. Uh, but they will be full of confidence because they just beat D.C. last week, but they'll be playing without their best player. So, Dan Dickinson, thoughts on Philly coming into Red Bull Arena? Well, I mean, the the typical fashion would be to scream that this is a trap game, right? Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Two wins, of course they're going to win. Um, but th- this is a Philly team that has been miserable, and even in that win against D.C., um, they got battered that game. Uh, I'm just reading some of the notes from their press conference today, and apparently they only had 14 men available for training, um, mm-hmm. which sounds like a pretty short bench, um, all yes. things considered. Uh, they do seem very aware of how New York is playing. Um, they're aware of the midfield focus. They uh Jim Curtin name checked both Sam and Sasha. Uh, yep. Acknowledged said the high press. press. Yeah, yep. um, and I think with Maurice Edu out, um, it definitely makes things tougher for Philly. Um, but they do have some decent talent. Um, I've been impressed with Ayuk. Um, obviously, Connor Casey can be dangerous, um, but I, I, I don't know. I just it's it's hard to take them as a a deep deep threat. Um, you know, their their points have come at the expense largely of the blue team, but also weirdly at DC United or uh, the game this last weekend. So uh, I'm not going to really be sweating this game, but there's always a potential. I mean, this is a league where any team can beat anybody, and Sporting Kansas City, who many people had written off uh, tonight, tonight right, is they're, they're is killing New England, battering New England. I think it's four two as we're recording right now. Yeah. So, um, and, you know, Orlando destroyed L.A. last weekend, which I don't think anybody would have expected. But I think we've come to uh, expect the unexpected, right? But the notion is uh, L.A. is clearly a shadow of their former selves. I mean, they are clearly not. I I think they have a losing record. What what is L.A.'s record? They're they're below the red line. Three, four, and five on the season. They're they're not a good team right now. So um, Philly's two wins, as you said, one over New York City at home and one over D.C. United this past week at home. Uh, Their draws, one to Colorado, one away to New York City, and away to RSL. The rest of the matches are all losses. And so it will be very hard-pressed. Um, I don't want to invoke the three words uh, this early in the season <laughs> based on how I feel I about this match. I don't know. Match. There's no Chivas USA anymore, so I, 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 use it on? 
Uh, uh, A-Rod, we don't play Colorado anymore. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm going to do it. Um, here it goes. There's no reason that the Red Bulls should lose this game. Not with their best player out. Not with Philly's misery on the road. Not with New York with nine days rest going from a Friday match to a Sunday match. There's no reason New York would lose this game. So I'm going to call it a 3 nothing win for the New York Red Bulls. Damn. You're a brave man. I'm calling it 2 nothing. 2 nothing. But I'm not going right. to say there's no reason. Because there's always a reason. <laughs> this team is different. Uh, this team is I don't different. disagree, but... Any team can beat anybody, so welcome to MLS. When we're back after this short break, we're going to be speaking to the New York Red Bulls sporting director. That's Ali Curtis. We'll be right there. You're listening to Seeing Red with Mark Fishkin, Dave Martinez, and Dan Dickinson. Back at Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup at Backheel.com. Dan Dickinson, Mark Fishkin tonight. We're very, very pleased to have our uh, this week's guest on the show. Ali Curtis was named sporting director of the New York Red Bulls on December 23rd and helped engineer some sweeping changes to the club that has uh, the team coming up with only a single loss after 10 matches. A new USL club, which is playing as we speak. Lots of great energy and lots of activity around the Red Bulls. Ali Curtis, welcome to Seeing Red. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. It's our pleasure to be speaking with you. So, Ollie, we're, we're a third of the way through Season 1. Just curious about your general reflection after 10 games uh, putting this team together. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a long season. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, you want to look at the body of work, and it's a 34-game regular season. We still, you know, have Open Cup as well. But, you know, from a results perspective, you know, one loss in 10 games is, is, is good, and so we feel really good about that. Um, you know, the team is playing well, um, and it's kind of adjusted to kind of this new style of play, and so, you know, through 10 games, we feel really good about what's been happening, uh, not just from a results perspective, but also just what's happening, you know, on the training field and just really the culture and vibe of, uh, of what's happening at the training facility and within the locker room. Ali, um, you know, this is your first role as a, a sporting director as a club after all your time with the league office. And I, I'm curious, what's the, the one thing that's been the most surprising to you, uh, having now been in the role for about six months? Well, um, you know, there's been, <laughs> it's been, uh, it's been a very, uh, uh, exciting and fun, uh, first four months, uh, since I've been on the job. And, and I would say there's probably been two things. Uh, that have been, um, uh, you know, pleasant surprise. Um, the first has been um, there's been a lot of integration between our academy, um, our USL team, and our first team, um, and more integration than I would have thought at this point um, in the season. Typically, that takes a lot of time, um, although it's been very quick, um, it's, and we really feel really good about what's happening between those three platforms. Um, the other would be, um, the team has really adjusted well to the direction of a new style of play. And I think, um, you know, the fans see that. Um, you know, I see it, you know, every day, and I think it's exciting. So, um, you know, typically when you change style of play, uh, that takes some time. 
Um, you know, we, we started preseason really, you know, three weeks into January, and we, was, we were still adding players during the preseason. So uh, to be, um, you know, to be where we are in terms of our style of play and having the, the players pick up on that and being able to execute that and the way in which they're able to execute that uh, thus far has been very, uh, very exciting, and it feels good. So how do you feel uh, how Jesse has been doing executing the plan that you've put out uh, on the field in terms of the personnel you've chosen? How would you rate him a third of the way through the season? Jesse's been fantastic. Um, he's been excellent. Um, and it's not just, you know, uh, it's not just when you look at the results of what's happening at the first team, but he's really helped cultivate the type of environment and culture uh, and really, kind of team ethos that we uh, that we want here at the club, you know, long term. So uh, Jesse's been great. Um, he's a hard worker. Uh, he's fun to be around. Um, you know, I see that. I knew that. Um, I think the players uh, see that. They feel that. Um, and you know, when you bring people into the club like that, you know, uh, coaches, players, um, you know, that type of mentality, that type of um, going about your business um, is infectious, and people feed off that. And it's, it's been fantastic. And Jesse, you know, as a first-team coach, he's uh, really helped kind of set the tone for what's happening, you know, in the locker room, on the field, and game day, in the training environment. And it's been fantastic. So I've been very pleased with with Jesse, and uh, you know, he and I continue to grow our relationship. So um, it's been great. Uh, obviously, uh, 10 games in, there's been a lot of notable results, but uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't ask about your feelings on the, the first match between the Red Bulls and NYCFC. Uh, it was really special. Um, I, I mean, it was, it, it was a, I mean, it's a special moment for uh, the Red Bulls as an organization, um, you know, special moment for the community. Um, it was just really, really cool. Uh, moment. I mean, the fans came out and they supported our team. Um, it, it was awesome. And, I, you know, I, personally, I, I'm grateful I had a chance to be part of it. I'm happy I was, a, you, know, you know, as a fan of the sport, just being involved, being in that environment, um, you know, winning the game was, was awesome. So it was really, really cool. Um, and, you know, I think everyone in the building uh, and everyone that kind of watched that game on television will remember that. Uh, for a long time to come. So it was really cool. It's something that was great uh, for the two teams involved, for the two fans involved, uh, the two uh, f- uh, you know supporting fans, and then also I-, I think it was a really historic and great moment for uh, MLS as a league. So really, really cool um, and, you know, just a lot of fun. Jesse, I want to I turn the attention to players that have been rumored and or mentioned around the club. Obviously, Irish national James McLean has been drawing a lot of attention, photos of him in apparently a Red Bulls warm-up that he may or may not have purchased himself. Um, We're about to enter what we technically refer to the fans as silly season with names like Michael Essien and Kevin Prince-Botang being um, thrown out as possible players to join the team. Now that you're focused on what the team needs to move forward, um, is there anything you can share about possible additions to the roster during the transfer window, be they DP or not? Okay. Um, so, 
you know, especially from my experience at the league office, it's it's incredibly challenging sometimes to add strength to the roster um, uh, during the summer. You know, from a, from you know from an international perspective, it's an opportune time to bring players aboard. But you know, our summer transfer window it's one month. Um, you know, from a budget perspective, it gets a little bit tricky uh, in terms of adding players. Um, uh, you know. But, you know, I hear the rumors of, of, of all the different players or, or I read them, um, you know. You know, we feel really good about our group. Um, you know, from what's been happening from a performance perspective um, and then the culture of our locker room has been fantastic. And so, and we're the type of team, I think, that is only going to get better week to week. You know, you hope that, you know, every team, you know, goes through a couple injuries here and there and we'll, we'll be okay um, uh, in that regard, um, you know, because we'll, we'll stay together and we'll stick tight. Um, but we've got a really good group and we feel really, really good about um, our chances this year in terms of the current group that we have. Now, with that said, it's, you know, it's my responsibility to continue to uh, evaluate, analyze, and assess the team and the roster to see if there's opportunities to, to build upon it. But, you know, I mentioned this in, in, in another um, conversation, but I think that we're operating at a position of strength um, because we have a very, very, very good team um, and a very, very good group of guys that has a nice balance between experience as well as youth. Um, but with that being said, um, you know, actively looking for, you know, if we wanted to add maybe one or two more pieces in the summer to see if it makes sense. Um, and, you know, uh, having conversations. Um, and if it makes sense, then when the window opens on July 8th, um, uh, you know, through August 6th, uh, we'll make a move. But we feel good about our current group. And uh, I, I, we, we all like our guys, and they all will continue to, to go, grow and develop week to week. Ali, uh, I think I probably know the answer to this already, and I'm sure you and Jesse are both tired of hearing the question asked, but is there any update on what's going on with Peggy Lillian-Dilla? So, I mean, to be completely open, you know, uh, you know, I was in my office, and Peggy um, asked, to meet, asked to meet with me. He walked in my office, and he sat down. We had a conversation, and he said, you know, he wanted to stop playing uh, professional soccer, and um, that was something that he came to me, um, uh, and um, we talked about that. We talked about his career. Um, we talked about, um, you know, Peggy's got some uh, some uh, business interests outside of, uh, you know, being a professional soccer player. And, um, you know, what he shared with me was that was his, his, his focus. Um, and so, you know, there's a number of things I think he's got um, – He's invested in a, uh, you know, an indoor facility that, you know, some of our, are actually some of our younger teams may be, may be utilizing. Um, he's got some business interests in France as well. And so that's his focus. That's, you know, um, you know, he's not playing professional soccer anymore. And, you know, it was, it was some, it was a, it was a bit of a surprise to me when he walked into my office, but that's kind of, you know, the way things went down. And, um, we support Peg, Peggy in that, uh, in, in, you know, in his, in his new future and new career. Um, and that's kind of how things uh, uh, are with, with Peggy. 
Ali, you, obviously uh, coming on and joining the team last year, there was a bit of hemming and hawing about jumping into the USL. Uh, we know that you were a big architect of the relationship and the setup with having MLS reserve teams playing in that league. The team is playing as we speak in their U.S. Open Cup match uh, right now in Newark. Talk to us about how the USL team is working for the organization as a whole. And then I guess you can throw in the, the U23s are now playing in the PDL. The club now has teams at the first, third, and fourth level of the soccer pyramid and, and what that means for the, the entire organization. Okay. Well, um, okay. Um, so youth development is a big part of... Um, what this club is about, what we want to be um, about moving forward. And we feel it's vital for um, us as an organization to continue to grow and provide the type of uh, soccer that our fans deserve. And we also think it's, um, you know, a great opportunity and a great platform for us to connect um, with our local community, just when you look at the the New York metropolitan area, and, and to be able to have players uh, represent, you know, our PDL team, local players represent our PDL team, our USL team, um, as well as our first team, uh, we think that that is important, um, and that's um, part of our core values and, and, and what we're trying to achieve. So having the USL team um, uh, compete in New York Red Bulls, too, has been fantastic, and, you know, those games are being played at Red Bull Arena, um, as well as Columbia University, uh, and it's been fantastic. And, you know, we've been able to integrate uh, not only, you know, our um, our MLS players that are not uh, getting as much playing time at the first team level into those games to get experience um, such that they're, they'll be ready when called upon, um, but also we've been able to, to integrate um, local homegrown uh, academy players in those games, uh, and it's been fantastic. And so you see, you know, young academy players like Derek Etienne and some other players competing in those games, and it's only going to help their development. Um, so that's been fantastic. And then also, it's it's been a, it'll be a great kind of bridge platform for uh, for a player like Tyler Adams, who you know will join the first team next year, who is part of our academy. Um, you know, um, compete, develop, and get games. Um, so it's. It's it's crucial to to who who we aspire to be as a club, and um, you know that that platform is going to be very very important. Uh, we'll get better at it. You know, this year we're in year one, uh, and st- there's still some things that we need to tweak um, operationally, um, and but we'll we'll work on them and we'll get better each day. And it's also it's been a great tool we think for not just players but also for staff and administrators uh, to develop. So in terms of John Walniak and Ibrahim Sagaya. Um, and Mel, you know, as our athletic trainer, it gives those guys an opportunity to develop as well, which we think is fantastic and important as well um, in terms of their career development. From a PDL standpoint, that's also important in terms of, you know, our, our platform. And, you know, when you look at the, 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 the makeup of that team, it's been fantastic because there's so many, you know, um, local um, academy players that are on that team, and it really gives us, um, an opportunity and a platform to continue to communicate and stay in touch with our local academy players that go off to college. And, you know, college is still an important part of the development landscape um, as it pertains to MLS. And, 
Um, it will be an important part of the development landscape moving forward. But, you know, to not only communicate and um, be on the phone and send emails in, in that way to our academy players that go off to college, but also be able to provide them with a meaningful um, uh, development opportunity when they come home during the summer is crucial and uh, vital, and so we're, uh, we're excited about it. Ali, is there a, a, a target number that you have as part of the plan for what percentage of the team uh, is going to consist of local homegrown academy players? Is the goal for you know, the, the entire first team eventually to be developed out of the academy? Is, is, what, what, feel, what is the goal for you in terms of having everyone aligned all the way down to the U13s, all the way through the club with, with minor league teams, developmental teams? Is, is that your goal? So I, 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 you know, I don't think it's a realistic. I don't think it's achievable to be able to have the entire team um, as local academy players. Um, I do believe we can have a significant amount of players that are developed from our local community and that are part of our academy. And you're seeing, you're seeing uh, uh, the first phases of that. If you you know, at the New England game, we, there were four homegrown players on uh, on the pitch. You know, one of them played for New England, but three of them played for the Red Bulls. That's never happened. Um, so, it's you know, in terms of the academy, it's very, very important. We think it's, you know, part of our DNA um, to have those guys on our first team. Um, in terms of a healthy team and a successful first team, um, you, you need a couple ingredients that, you know, you need ingredients that come from a variety of different areas. Um, at the end of the day, I'm a big, you know, we're all a big believer of diversity. Um, so uh, diversity of thought, diversity of play, diversity of origin. Um, I think that's healthy and that's important in terms of what's happening um, with our club. Um, so um, that's important. You know, if, if you probably talk to Bob Montgomery and if we all, you know, close our eyes and say, hey, we want to, or actually keep our eyes open and say we want to win MLS Cup, and we want MLS Cup. I think Bob Montgomery will tell you, well, we not only want to win MLS Cup, but how great would it be to be able to win MLS Cup with 11 homegrown players that are also on that pitch. Um, and I think that that would be fantastic. I think that that's going to be a challenge. But we can have a significant amount of homegrown players on our field, on our training grounds. Uh, and that's something that's been happening since day one, um, since I first started. And having Bob Montgomery, uh, our academy director, he was integrated. We you know, I brought him into our the uh, the MLS Combine. I brought him into preseason. We started to have a cat, um, one of our academy players join us in preseason. We started a coach community program where we have first team coaches that also help out and coach academy uh, training sessions, so that you know, 16 year olds, 14 year olds, 18 year olds are being coached by Jesse, by Dennis Hamlet, by Chris Armas, and then also some of those academy coaches are being integrated into our first team. So if you walk into, you know, halftime of a first team game, um, you not only will see Jesse and the first team staff and the first team players, but you're also going to see one or two uh, academy coaches. So integration um, between all of our different platforms, USL, academy, um, and first team is very important. It's something that's happening and will continue to grow. One last question before we let you go, Ali. You've been very generous with your time. How has your relationship with fans evolved uh, since January, given the success of the team and, and given your experience here with the team? So 
So that's a good question. I think um, with time, I think, I think, I think a relationship takes time, right? You know, to to grow and to develop, and you know, it's important that I earn the respect of our fans. Um, and the only way to do that is to work my tail off and to to start showing results. And that's not just what's happening with our first team, but that's also ensuring that you know we're 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 we're, we're making good on our promise and really integrating young players as well, local young players as well. Um, so it takes time to grow and develop a relationship. Um, I'm committed to it. Um, as much as, you know, at times it seems, it may have seemed tumultuous on the outside with some of our fans, I also got a lot of love from many of our fans. And um, that was fantastic, and they've been supportive. And our fans are passionate, they're committed, and they're, you know, they're the best in MLS. And they support this team 100%. And so um, I think just like any relationship, it takes time. You know, um, you know I made a, a really, really big decision early on, um, but a decision that I stand by. Um, and, I, and I am appreciative or respectful that sometimes those types of decisions are hard to process or hard to um, emotionally, you know, wrap your hands around, so to speak. But, you know, a lot of fans have been very, very supportive. Um, a lot of fans have shown the club and shown me a lot of love. Um, and we'll con- uh, continue to, to grow and work on that relationship moving forward because that's important to this club, and it's important to me, um, really. Um, and so, um, you know, it's been good. It's been good. Ali Curtis is the sporting director of the New York Red Bulls. Ali, thank you so much for joining us tonight on Seeing Red, and we hope to talk to you down the stretch when New York will be pushing uh, for a deep playoff run. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it, and I hope to see you guys at our game uh, uh, on Sunday against Philadelphia. Absolutely. There's more Seeing Red coming up after this. You're listening to Seeing Red with Mark Fishkin, Dave Martinez, and Dan Dickinson. Hey, we're back. Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup, Mark Fishkin, Dan Dickinson tonight. Remember Dave Martinez? Who? Tonight and during our third segment, we we give you the mic. Literally. You can certainly... Reach out to us anytime via email at seeingredny at gmail.com. Or, as more of you are doing, you can call us at 973-602-9161. And you can leave us a voice message on the Seeing Red voice line. And uh, if your voicemail is good enough, it's going to get played on this year's show. So, he called last week. He had a good question. Called again this week. It's two weeks in a row for Dan Cavello. And here's what he had to say. Hey, guys, it's uh, Dan Cavillo, uh, second call. I'm a veteran now. Um, my question for this week uh, for Ali was, right now um, it's early in the season, so it's not a distraction, but should the team keep playing well, and there's a lot of reason to believe they will, at what point do we talk about extending Jesse's contract and even Ali's? Um, especially with Jesse, at least, at some point it's going to become a distraction if at the end of the year, he's at a contract and the team's playing well. Um, so wondering if there's any thoughts to that. Um, I appreciate it's early in the year, but the way things are headed, let's think positive and hopefully they open contract uh, discussion soon. Just wondering if there's any thoughts to that. Um, Ali, feel free to follow me at, at Dan Cavello on Twitter. 
Thanks, Mike. So I, I know this was a question that was probably meant for Ali Curtis, but we're, we're going to answer that. Is Jesse Marsh's contract extension, and is this really uh, of concern, or should it be a concern, 11 weeks in? Are we sold that quickly? Mm, that's, a, that's an interesting question there, Cavello. Um, uh, I, I'm conflicted about it because, um, on the one hand, as Ali said during the, the second segment, it's a long season and we're not really that far through it yet. And you need to have the, the retrospective about the whole season and not just the first third. Um, but I think there's certainly something to be said, especially with a club like this, about having some continuity in coaching and maybe not pulling the trigger on a coaching change just because somebody somewhere feels like it on a moment's notice. Um, and I'm, I'm going to extend Cavello's question when I throw this back to you, Mark, but it's not just about Jesse, but there was all this talk about Ali being on a single-year contract as well. So mm-hmm. and acknowledging that we still have more of the season to go through, do you extend both of them sooner to show a, a sign of faith and say, yeah, this is working and, you know, there might be some bumps in the road, but we want to stick with it. Or do you hold that off until the off season and do God knows what? Yeah. Uh, I think there, there, <laughs> given that we've played a third of season one for in the Jesse and Ali era, and given that it's been successful, it's been terrific. But even if it was not terribly successful, um, I, I I think you, we have to really see the entire body of work, if you will, to see this team go through ups and downs, to see this team whether or not they're going to uh, take these uh, the Open Cup seriously. Certainly, before the fans can make their decision on whether or not this team should uh, this current uh, guy should continue, everything seems to be copacetic right now. The team is certainly. Um, together and aligned as we've seen uh, teams I don't want to say like never before but certainly it's incredibly refreshing the play is certainly fun and entertaining to watch and the team is getting results but uh, as you and I have been saying all season long we're one Bradley Wright Phillips uh, hamstring pull away from really thinking deeply about what this team needs to do to play well Curtis in his interview was very very content with with his team, and they feel that they can weather any storm uh, that's thrown at them. So I think it's it's really, really uh, too soon to say whether it's time. I appreciate Dan's optimism. I definitely do. So that, Those they, are words you did not expect to say tonight. Admit. I did not expect Dan Cavello and optimism and contract renewal extension to come up in the same sentence, uh, given where we were a few months ago, but I don't think any of us were in that place. So um, here is one more email, uh, or excuse me, one more voicemail tonight. This is Tom from Staten Island. What's up, fellas? This is Tom McHugh Collins from Staten Island. If you hear a lot of noise, it's because I'm walking through, uh, walking through Staten Island into the ferry. But uh, two questions for you guys. I'm a bit of a new Red Bulls fan. I've only been a fan for the last few years, and I guess I still have that optimism. I don't have the metro pessimism. Hasn't done getting just yet. Um, after the last match against Dallas, though, I, I can't help but feel super confident in our back line. I thought they just played a great game, even without young Matt Miazga. So I guess I want to know 
have your opinion changed? What do you think of the back line now, even with having out to out? What do you think is going to happen this summer when he's gone? And the other question that I have is, uh, in the last show you were talking about TV ratings. But there's one glaring difference for me, and that's that this is the end of the hockey season. This is a playoff season, and we're not in playoff season in MLS. We're in the early part. So what were the playoff TV ratings like? I think that's a stronger comparison to make. Hopefully I hear from you guys on the show, and have a good night. So our TV ratings talk that we had last week, I know a lot of fans really kind of enjoyed that. Yes, of course, Tom, right now we are going up against playoffs. There's a playoff game going on right now, and the New York Rangers are, are making yet another run towards uh, you know, hopefully another Stanley Cup Finals. That is, if you're a Rangers fan. If you're a Devils or Islanders fan, you probably don't feel that way uh, whatsoever. So, uh, nevertheless... Obviously, the New York sports fans are distracted, right? They have games that are certainly more important than less. I don't have last year's playoff television ratings, but I can't imagine they are uh, anything to shake a stick at. I actually looked it up. Uh, I only found one particular leg, um, but it's relevant to the show. The second leg of the Red Bulls versus DC United series. Uh, drew 607,000, which... Well, well, certainly a multiple of what New York drew last well, week. Well, sure, but that was flat in ratings and down 4% from the first leg of Dynamo SKC the year prior. Um, and the match had a stronger lead-in than last year, or the, the 2013 playoffs, um, because NBC had EPL coverage that had increased by double digits. So mm-hmm. um, I don't think the MLS playoffs... Are, are necessarily carrying um, any great weight among the, the sporting mass. They certainly draw a little bit more. But, um, you know, it's, as I said last week, um, there will always be an excuse, whether it's a holiday or nice weather or something else that's on TV in some capacity or anything that mm-hmm. that people can point to for the ratings being low. And at some point we have to say, yeah, but they should start getting better. And, (laughs) you know, there's a lot of things that go into that. It's not just people, you know, there's got to be promotion and marketing and, you know, better production values from some of these networks and things like that. But, um, you know, there's always going to be something else on TV. It's not like there's one channel and it gets, you know, a couple hours a week. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we have one e- uh, email this week that we wanted to share with us. This was also a question for Ali that we're going to kind of take on in his stead. Hello, guys. First off, thanks for the weekly podcast. This is Dennis Mortensen who's writing us. I enjoy it so much. I was wondering if after all the fan backlash this offseason, if Ali ever wavered or second-guessed himself on his vision of the club. Also, in his plan, did he expect such a great result out of the gate from the team, or did he think uh, it would take longer to gel with Jesse's system? I I think based on what we heard from Ali Curtis tonight, he was is very, very confident in the decision that he made, uh, making the coaching change. And the players that have been brought in really under the system that he wrote. And remember, folks, Sasha Kleschen, L.A. was geared up and they moved players out and they cleared cap space to get Sasha Kleschen. And Ali Curtis maneuvered around sending Eric Alexander and Amboise Ayango to Montreal to get that top allocation spot away from uh, L.A. in order to land question. And he's been a very, very important part 
of the uh, of uh, of the Red Bull success so far this year. So it wasn't just simply about making his coaching change. It was uh, some pretty savvy personnel personnel moves in order to get the, the the team he wanted. And oh, by the way, Felipe, um, who have have both been really really important parts of the Red Bull success. So um, Ali is a confident guy. And going back to the town hall, I think he probably uh, has come to realize that from a public speaking standpoint, he uh, perhaps had some room to improve. But as you also heard, he is looking forward to improving his relationship with fans. And I think he is getting a lot of love from the fans, especially when you've been winning the way that this team has been winning and when you've been playing the way the team has been playing. So as we've said many times on Seeing Red, there will be some fans that have already gone and they're never coming back. That's definitely true, and I, I think at the beginning of the the interview, um, you know, he acknowledged that uh, I don't think he was expecting the results to come this quickly. So I think he he is a little surprised that it's come together so well, but you know, he's happy about it, and as he should be, because it's a, a fine statement about his uh, performance. And, and in terms of he ever second guessed himself, um, for those who haven't read it yet, I highly recommend checking out uh, the piece Brian Strauss did. Uh, last month about Alex. On the 300-page plan. Yeah, yes. showing the binder and everything like that. But, um, you know, he acknowledged that the town hall um, is is not the sort of place, it's, it's not the sort of environment that really plays to his abilities and his strengths. Um, he had spent a lot of time in the league office, had been sort of sheltered and not not somebody who had to talk to the media, let alone fans who mm-hmm. are angry about something. And he right. said, and I'm quoting, it was really hard, it was painful, it was a difficult experience. Yep. Um, so, uh, you know, there, there's certainly going to be a, a level of doubt and, uh, you know, unsureness, but credit to, to Ali. He stuck with his plan and it's paid off so far. For sure, for sure. Uh, that's really all that we have tonight in terms of uh, uh, fan feedback on Seeing Red. We urge you guys, please, anytime, write us, call us. As soon as the Philly games end, send us an email. Ask us what you think about what's to come. Of course, that's uh, Sunday, May 24th at 5 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. The New York Red Bulls are going to be hosting the Philadelphia Union, who have never won at Red Bull Arena. I invoke the three words I call the 3 nothing Red Bull victory. My partner Dan called it a 2 nothing win for the Red Bulls. Uh, we'd like to thank Ali Curtis for joining the show tonight, his first time on Seeing Red. We hope you enjoyed that discussion. Let us know what you think. Join our Facebook page. Follow us on Twitter. Tell us, did you like the interview? Um, do, do you want to hear more from Ali on a regular basis? So from Dan Dickinson, I'm Mark Fishkin saying thank you so much for listening to this episode of Seeing Red. We'll be back next week. Good night, everybody. This has been Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup on Backheel.com. Listen anytime on iTunes, Stitcher, and SeeingRedNY.com. 